0: dying of the synapses and all the rest of those things that happen when you get every time you get concussed and hit in the brain so so um your resiliency just can't be the same every time you get hit it's kind of like the proverbial well every time you go to the well there's less water after you bring that bucket up there's less water than there was before it really is that simple
1: okay you want to hear something tragic Um, we've only just gone live now we've only just gone live now and you can see it in the corner now it says live um the thing that for, I'm going to blame Sarge for this, the fact he commented on the thing saying, what's going on, fellas? That made me think we were fucking live. We're not live. We are now, but we were. We are, he yes. 39
0: seconds live up in the left corner above you.
1: That was him commenting before the show even started. Um And it managed <laughs> to convince me. Don't do that again, Sarge, whatever it was <laughs> that you did, because that threw me off. Um, Guys, apologise. We don't need to go through the intro again. You know, this is going to be. uh, Sometimes you've got to be a bit rough and ready and go with the flow. But um, you know, we were talking about Condom versus Guild last night, and I said to Michael off the air, as it transpired, that means, by the way, all those compliments I paid you are actually lost. They're they're between me and you. They still exist, but nobody saw them. (laughs) Uh, Maybe we can run those back at the end of the show. Hey,
0: listen, I'm always here for the compliments. Anytime you want to give one out, feel free.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, it's, it's I'll mix and match, you know, with the, those and the kind of more damning, sardonic put-downs, if you don't mind. Um, so, as I say, um, it was flawed in the second round, Conlon, by Gil. It was kind of nice what he did from a technical point of view. He fainted with a right hand then threw this really tight, short left hook and then another follow-up right hand and that put him over. In fairness to Conlon, he did find his way back into the fight quite heroically. But I was just saying to you, and, and people caught the end of that, your um insights on punch resistance dwindling it looks like you can't hold a great shot anymore and the, you know like like the balance seems to be the thing that's the problem yeah. for fighters when they suddenly look a little bit more ragged at shop worn that's yeah. susceptible to a shot you know um yeah and that's well, a number of things phenomenon. that
0: happen there as well ben it depends on where the where the punch makes co- impact i mean if it's a brain shot meaning if it isn't if it is if it's on the chin it hits the nerves first the, the nerves affect the brain that's one thing but if you get hit on the top of the head like the forehead the temple or up on the, you know the upper cranium area um there's this like shifting of the brain that happens. and that's a yeah. different type of knockdown and that's even a different type of knockdown than let's say like when you get hit in the ear and it's balanced it's a balance you get hit in the side of the ear or back of the head yeah. kind of thing and it's it's where you know your balance is kept and that's a different type of knockout too um, knockdown as well. So th- there there are different types and, and sometimes it's a matter of a guy got hit where he'd never been hit before and that's his weak spot. But sometimes it's a matter of like, you know, you've been hit there so many times and that resiliency is now gone.
1: Yeah. I've got th- – there's a fellow I know um, who is a mixed martial arts kind of athlete as much as anything else, but he's a bit of a boffin on s- – sports science nutrition and and he studied a lot on neuroscience, and he actually doesn 't believe in hard sparring at all, and he mm-hmm. says that every time you get hit harder, you suffer a concussion, whatever the scientific definition of a concussion is, it leaves you more susceptible to a puncher ever after, and that all that damage stacks up and he He actually um proposes a kind of code of good practice in the gym and in fights. That would actually have most people saying this is ridiculous. It's like going to McDonald's. Sorry, it's like going to um, uh, a prostitute for a hug. You've made it so kind of you denuded it (laughs) of the thing that made it exciting. Do you know where I was going? There, I was going to say someone said going to McDonald's for a salad is like going to a prostitute for a hug, and that's what um, I was using that as a metaphor for. You said he's.
0: You said he's he's Protestant.
1: I didn't. I didn't say he's Protestant. So where did you get that from? Well,
0: I thought you said he went to a protestant for a, a hug like that's he's a religious guy
1: okay i'll get it you're doing you a, a pun on, the, on prostitute yeah um uh.
0: <laughs> no okay sorry i didn't
1: you didn't you. hear the word prostitute
0: i thought i did come on ask the people i think they heard it too but okay i yeah, understand i should i should know better you wouldn't use a word like protestant you wouldn't
1: no, He's and it's Protestant. Protestant anyway. I I don't want to get into tomato tomato thing, but it's Protestant. Um, what I was going to say was, <clears throat> this guy has a quite a radical theory on boxing, and, and basically he doesn't think people should suffer headshots at all when they're junior boxers. I think you, you can't make an omelette without breaking eggs, personally, and there is an element of danger in it. There's going to be an element of damage, but well, wait, but-
0: uh, wait, 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 hold on one second. Stay on that point. How of what age is he? Age group is he talking about?
1: I'm may- maybe below sixteen.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. Okay. So, uh, I mean, really, if you were going to do that, like no impact, I would think below more like eleven, twelve. When when a, when yeah. a when a man start, when a kid, when a male child starts getting 14, 15, some kids are getting man strength at that time, and some are just still very, very like immaturely built, like in their, their physicality and their mentality. But once you know once once you start getting over once you get into the teenage years some guys will you know just get into their manhood faster than others as a, as a kid this is one of the best times to stop start boxing because you're able to uh, you know uh, you can you can digest you can analyze stuff coming at you and it, it's not going to hurt it'll hurt you emotionally but nobody's hitting anybody and knocking them out and giving them 10 counts and And no. making their legs wobble, generally, unless it's like something very, very unique, somebody very, very unique. But otherwise, it's not happening. but when you get to the teenage years, some guys are getting their man' strength, and yes, at that point, concussions are are a realistic play in it.
1: Yeah, um has so as, as might just raised the point that famously in the in the Brendan Engle camp in Sheffield, which produced, Harold Graham and Nassim Hammond and Junior Witter and Johnny Nelson, they only they had a body sparring only kind of culture and rule. They didn't do a lot of head full sparring at all. All, all you'll ever hear is at the Ingle gym it was all body sparring, but that never made sense to me either. But they, but okay. you can't yeah. you can't argue with the success they had at the gym with with a very is, system.
0: Well, in training, in training, what you have to do with a fighter, you need to emulate the process of the fight as close <coughs> as possible. Yeah. That's what you got to do first is the trainer. Nothing else makes any sense. If you want your fighter to win and be healthy and finish the fight right, and, and be successful, help his chance to be more successful, you need to emulate the process of the of the, uh, how the actual fight's going to go, the things he's going to see, the things he's going to have to do. You have to find a way to make that happen without him getting hurt. And that's something that was never thought of before. It was just the love yeah. of the job. There's so many fighters and absolutely good and even great fighters. I'm sure that like training – I mean, look, Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all time, sparring messed him up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. So if you can mess him up, believe me, there's a slew of other people that – it just – you know what I mean? It just becomes uh, – you know, sometimes you spend more energy uh, uh, sparring than you actually do in your fights. It's crazy. It really is.
1: They always used to say that about the Philly gym wars that ruined a lot of fighters or shortened yeah. the careers of fighters because yeah. of that crazy – do you know Nigel Collins, who's coming on the show next Friday, by the way? Yes, yes. He talks of a legendary sparring session between Tyrone Everett and Mike Everett, the brothers, yeah. who brothers. used to go with each other like cat and dog. Yeah. And he said yeah. it would catch on like wildfire in a pre-social media era. Yeah. People would be calling everybody saying, Tyrone and Mike are going to spar, <laughs> and, um, and everybody you know, would would drive yeah. around there to witness it. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah. I would just say, like, when you have a boxing gym, every single boxing gym has a hierarchy. And so there's, there's a guy who leads the gym and there's, you know what I mean? And then there's everyone else that falls in line behind and, um, it doesn't matter what weight they are. It doesn't matter you, it, there's a, there's a, there's this trial by fire and, and every fighter has to go through it. If you want your place in the gym, if you want to be respected, if you want to find your spot, every time you come into a gym that's what's going to happen. You're going to have to like have that trial by fire. You have to go through all these guys and prove yourself. Uh, I remember when I went to, um, it was, it was early in my career. It was in my early pro fights and I went to LA and I went to two gyms and I didn't know the culture. I didn't know this culture at all. But um, Andy, the Hawk price had a gym in Watts. And I went there and sparred with some guys. I was like, it was like, it was like a ring, and cinder block walls, no windows, <laughs> and, and and a ring, and like and there's a bag and some, you know, a floor, and we fought like that's all people would do it. This must have been like 84, maybe even yeah. 83. And and then you know, same thing when I went to when I got to New York. There's that process. You gotta, you know what yeah. I mean? I mean, you come with a name, it's different. But even if I were, if I were number one contender and I went to Kronk, and I said I was gonna spark the box out of crunk from now on i'm gonna have to fight everybody including yeah hillmer kenty milk mccrory you know good mickey goodwin k-man lee all the way up to <laughs> Tom and up to whoever else is in there
1: mike mccallum the way it is
0: yeah mike mccallum but, james tony the whole thing
1: well i've sparred gleason's quite a lot as you know but 20 years ago and you know what they say about the white guy there, that everybody's queuing up to, to, to spy the white guy because the white serious boxes of Caucasian pigmentation are more rare in American gyms nowadays, especially in the city gyms like in New York. So, yeah,
0: getting yourself a unicorn.
1: Yeah. So, there's this, there's this automatic prejudice that you can't fight. Or, or they, what right. they think is you might be strong and, and all the rest of it, but you can't really fight. You know what I mean? The, yeah, what, yeah, what, yeah. What you wrote something very interesting on Facebook about the difference between being able to box and being able to fight. Nice. And it wasn't quite what people think you were. You actually meant more, there was more master of the art when you could be said to be able to fight, actually, yes. than there was yeah. being able to box, which was to, yes. you know. But regardless of that, I mean, I don't want to big myself up, but they didn't expect me to box like me anyway. So that was kind of a novelty for them, particularly because I was English. And, they, and you know, the style that I had, they didn't I expect think, I think it was
0: even more English than because you were white.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. Because English boxing in the States
0: isn't really respected that much. You can imagine what it was like coming from Canada. People are like, yo, what? Yeah, (laughs) black black guy from
1: Canada. You being the kind of guy you are, some people might have thought you were not, that you weren't the kind of black guy that they could really trust and invest in. You weren't like a street black guy. that They they, they might have had more respect for that. You you were this pretty boy, Canadian, articulate black guy who Mm -hmm. wore all those clothes, it, it, some people have been like yeah, hey, ate shit. I, I guarantee oh, you, yeah. yeah, great
0: yeah. You know, I caught yeah, I caught a lot of hate. It's the nature of the sport, nature of the game, nature of life. People don't always, you know, they don't respect anything until they feel that it could hurt them. You know what I mean? Once once yeah. a person feels like, especially when you're dealing in a sport as primitive as boxing and and physical active sports, it's like listen, unless it. Once it hurts you, then you respect it. Other than that, people don't understand anything else. If you're in the fighting arts,
1: that's it. Yeah. Well, exactly that. Getting back on track briefly. I mean, I think it's kind of it's it's cool that we're having a conversation which actually has nothing to do with Michael Condon versus Jordan Gill last night because you know there's plenty of podcasts that will discuss that and presumably people tune into this for the different content and unique content that we provide. But um, so you had a look at the stoppage, Michael. I know you didn't see the whole fight. We understand that. But you yeah. had a look at the stoppage, um. Some people were complaining. Some people said it was bang on, Howard Foster. Think about Howard Foster, the referee, I'll just explain. He's already a marked man because he stopped the first Frotch-Groves fight, which some people said was a diabolical stoppage 10 years ago. So he's already got that reputation for being a little bit jittery and someone who who stops fights too early. And some people were saying he did it again last night. John Martin... Our friend in Atlantic City, who was co-organising the the Hall of Fame thing with Ray McLean, he said it was a terrible stoppage. Howard Foster's one of the worst referees in the game. Matt Christie, editor of Boxing News, said no. Howard Foster proved why he remains one of the best referees in the game last night. Um, What was your take on seeing the stoppage not in the full context of having digested the whole fight?
0: You can always tell whether the fight was stopped at the correct time generally by the losing fighter's reaction.
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: And so when you look at the fighter's reactions, um, the losing fighter, was it Conlon? No, it was...
1: Yes, Conlon. Yes, go on. Okay, yeah.
0: So Conlon, when you look at his reaction, what does his body language say?
1: Um, Well, I'm asking you because you watched the clip. Yeah,
0: but I'm asking you because you... He, I'm asking you is, because that's part of the question. That's part of the, the the discovery we're doing here. You know what I mean? He,
1: he didn't. Um, he didn't protest unduly, as protest. I said. I mean, there was a degree yeah. of protest, but you know, like, But yeah. when you say that that that's that's not that's not entirely a yardstick, is it? I, I understand what you're saying for sure. It's a yardstick when they don't complain, but sometimes they do complain. They should. They still should have been stopped, right? Uh,
0: yeah, there's there's times when when that would happen, but the thing is, what it tells you is. Like, the referee has the option of also giving an eight-count. Like, when was that taken off the table? When was an eight-count well,
1: you taken well, You've been a standing eight-count when, when, when um, there's no punches been thrown. Yeah. um exactly. when no knockdown. No yeah, knockdown.
0: there's no knockdown. And the guy's hurt. And what happened to standing eight-counts? No, that no Michael, moment? that's
1: never really been a thing. University in the pros. They did it sometimes. They, they, you know what? They did it. Tony fought I thought, in Italy one time. Um, and he... The referee stepped in and gave his opponent a standing count. But that that's quite a European thing. It's not the American in the amateurs more than anything else.
0: They do in the amateurs. Um, I, I just don't know if the refs know that that's an option because it's just silly. There's, listen, here's here's my beef with something like that. Boxing is about being hurt. If if you don't want a guy to get hurt, then why the hell are you boxing and why are you ref refere- you know it doesn't even make sense? You're in the ring to hit one another. At some point, you're going to hit one another, and someone's going to get hurt. Odds are, that's what's going to happen. That's what everyone pays to see. And that's what you train to get past. You know what I mean? To be able to handle yeah. that. Every time I step into a fight, I know the potential of me getting put on my ass is there. That's all there is to it. Yeah. Yeah, but every fighter knows that.
1: I remember reading the referee in Ring Magazine once and the, the justification for a stoppage in a fight in the 80s. I don't recall which fight it was. But the referee said, I didn't see any sense in taking any more punches in a fight that he obviously wasn't going to win. And a reader wrote in and said, i tell you what, why don't we just get a bunch of referees and trainers and boxing experts to decide who's going to win a fight before they even happen? Yeah, exactly. And then that's why like, nobody needs to get punched or anything nasty like that. Yeah, he yeah. Said, why don't we figure all this out ahead of time? Yeah. You know?
0: You know what I mean? Like how many fighters? I mean, look, Matthew Saad Muhammad, you could have stopped probably like any of his any of his wins. You yeah. could have, you could
1: would have stopped. You could have done today, Maybe, and
0: nobody would have argued if you're going by today's standards. What about anything, Getty Ward round nine? Came back and knocked these guys out. You know what I mean?
1: Getty and Ward round nine. You could have stopped that fight. Yeah, but I, but I mean, like
0: with Matthew Saad Muhammad, it was habitual. Like he wasn't fighting people that that you know that were um, that are fed to him. Matthew Salah Muhammad's fighting real contenders that could Richie Cates, you know Marvin Johnson, world champs. You know what yeah, I mean? All these, guys, all these, you know, Diamond Jim McDonald, whoever it is, David Sears, all these guys that were that could crack and hurt you. And they did hurt him. And yeah, Yaki Lopez, you know what I mean? And he comes back and he stops him. You have to give the fighter the chance. You, you can't be sympathetic. You can be empathetic at times. If a guy's taking too much, then yeah, okay. But at the same time, everybody knows what they're in the ring for. And they they know that going into it. And, and I understand... It, it's sad when someone gets knocked out and I understand the repercussions down the road, but so do fighters. They understand that. It's all part and parcel of the game and you can't go too
1: far one way or the other, I guess. So sure. well, well, do you have an opinion on last night's stoppage You know, as, as it was? Do you think it was too soon or do you think it was okay? Um, I, I
0: didn't see uh, Conlon really respond in a way that would make me think he was still the in problem. the fight or he wanted more. You know what I mean? I didn't see him. He he wasn't demonstrative to me. I don't know. Maybe he said something to the ref, but it, uh, physically um, he didn't respond in the way that I
1: would think somebody would respond if they didn't want the fight stopped. Maybe it's Julia, just like
0: look at it enough.
1: Julian McGowan just said, Colin looks shot, which is what I thought. He said, I thought Lopez would beat him. Um, Lopez being the guy that beat him in his last fight, by the way. His rhythm is lost. And that's what I was going to refer to, Silk. It's not just the rhythm. I think it's the balance. Sorry. It's not just the balance. I think it's the rhythm as well. I mean, I I think rhythm's pretty fundamental. I know that you... I don't know what
0: rhythm is. What is rhythm?
1: Well, we've had this conversation before. And what you said was... You said rhythm is what you got when the going's good. That's fine, but what you need when the going is bad is timing. I still, yeah. I, you have an impact on me in the way I think about boxing. There's something I almost feel there's certain drawers suddenly mark don't open because you said something that was sufficiently impressive that it's made me think differently. But I'm not going to let you replace my whole boxing ethos. I think rhythm and balance <laughs> is super important. I think rhythm <laughs> I, and man, balance. It's
0: going to take important. a while. We've only been like what a year, year and a half or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're We're, you're a, a
0: tough cookie, but I get you.
1: We've been doing this over a year, you know, sugar and silk, and then it became sugar, silk and stretch. And, you know, and we are building it. We are taking over slowly. We're not taking over. We don't have to, we don't mind the competition. People can coexist with us, but we are getting bigger and we are growing. I'm going to the, as you may have noticed, I'm going to the press conferences now and I'm going to the fights. Maybe, maybe we'll go to Saudi Arabia, either Christmas or next year. We can reveal at this stage, but yeah. we will get there. But no, you know, um, I, Rhythm to me is just—I I need it to box. You know, I needed it to box. I needed to feel that with that rhythm. So, uh, so like rhythm,
0: when you say you need rhythm to box, does that mean you have music playing in your head?
1: Do you know what? Almost so. Almost yeah. Almost felt that really? way. Almost, yeah. Maybe that's
0: what I was lacking in my career.
1: That's probably why you weren't <laughs> as good as me. But but listen, um I want to move on to Ryan Garcia talking about boxing styles and rhythm and everything else. He um got the job done last night, which obviously will imp- be important to him, to rebound from the, the KO loss to Javonta Davis in the massive fight earlier this year. Well, but, I don't think
0: anything can erase that. The, but only even if, he is- beat, even if he beat Davis, it's not going to erase that. So, this one uh, certainly I, isn't.
1: Well, I hear what you're saying. And you know what? I think the, the jury is still out on him looking at the consensus of views this morning because... um. Ryan did what he had to do, you know, and he had it like, as you said, off camera, he had a kind of pretty basic, predictable, hands up, chin down, Mexican, come forward, Mexican in front of him. What some people were, were making a deal of is that for rounds five or six or seven, I know that um, whoever the um, the guy who scores on television for whatever platform the show was on had given the rounds five, six and seven to Duarte um, and he was doing a lot of mo- You know when someone's moving so much that some people call it running. When they're literally not punching much and they're going this side and that side and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garcia really got on his bike in round seven and to a degree in yeah. round eight until he found the until he found the, you know, the the, the coup de gras. So yeah. I don't think it's made me feel any different about Ryan Garcia, to be honest with you. I think he, he is he is a very talented guy, right? Offensively, he's got a lot of flair, he's got great hand speed, and he has got power. And he has some boxing ability, but there yeah. are still some amateurisms and some frailties, I think. Uh, I,
0: you know, um, yeah, he's he's got you know some excellent attributes about him. Um, do you think that isn't he with didn't he switch trainers and now he's with um,
1: yeah, he's with um, uh, what's that, Derek James now, yeah, he's with Derek quite, James. Uh, and he's still with
0: him. Derek James, right?
1: Charlos. well. Yeah, he moved from from Goosen, I believe he was with before that. Yeah, yeah.
0: And he's with Um, Derek James. And did you see any difference in his performance from... Do
1: you know what he was doing a lot? He was really turning side on and hiding behind that shoulder a lot. More than I've seen him before. Especially when Duarte was looking to unload to the body. Ryan Uh would turn so side on that was almost facing the the other way. Like he was trying to do that, you know, people call it that Floyd Mayweather kind of defence hand positioning for the rest of it. Um, but he didn't look a whole lot different, to be honest with you. I mean, like I say, he's got great hand speed. He likes he likes throwing that right hook, that kind of bolo-esque kind of hook to the body. Uh-huh. He's a good left hooker, you know. Yeah. But um, I suspect he would still... You know what? I don't know. Perhaps he can fulfil the enormous expectations that some people placed on his shoulders. You, you always say, once people have seen your vulnerabilities, once you've lost in the manner that he lost, the yeah. word is out then. And you're not the yeah. same guy. Yeah, you're exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're not the same. People have a, like so much of boxing is about like the actual fight. Is like pe- guys have equal ability and guys, maybe one guy has a little bit less or, or <clears throat> a lot of bit less. Um, what what they end up doing is once they've seen that you can be hurt, that embold- emboldens them. That makes them, yeah. you know what I mean? They feel a lot more confident. It's like, you know, if you've never seen the guy hurt before, it's like, oh my God, it can be a little bit daunting. It's like, how am I gonna you put the pressure on yourself? But you see a guy's been hurt before, you're like, oh man, okay. As soon as I know I can punch, so if I touch him, I can get the same, the same thing can happen. And and so, you know, and, and it's the same way as if you see somebody that's outboxed you know what i mean then you say hey listen i can box just as good as this guy so i'm gonna outbox him too it's not necessarily going to be the same but it's your intent going in the intent is
1: what's important right there there's a nice comment from joe there that i thought i would just highlight for you there
0: i didn't see it it says the channel is criminally underrated oh thank you i appreciate that john
1: uh that's joe by the way but but um Sorry, yeah, I have so, one blurry eye.
0: What?
1: Yeah, it's yeah because you don't make any concession to glasses, do you? You just do what you just do what you can with the eye. That,
0: yeah, well, I color got color. a patch on this one. And glasses, yeah, I can sort of do that. But I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna build myself a monocle. So I have a monocle on this eye and an eye patch on this eye. And that's and what you're gonna you have to do. to do. Aye, aye yeah, yeah, here comes this I've, guy
1: again. I've said it before. I, I, I say it a lot, but I actually think you look better with the eye patch. than I look at the old. Silk in his prime, supposed Uh prime, pictures. I think you look better now and cooler now. There's something you've got going on. (laughs) And and the eye patch is a part of it. Some of it's maturity as well. But I think you honestly look better now than you did when you were 26. uh,
0: Yeah, I cover much more of my face. I got the headband on. I got the eye patch. You know, it's like three quarters of my face is covered. So I kind of, you know, as long as you're smiling, it's okay.
1: I see a picture today. The caption of it was you with the straight blonde hair look, that kind of more peroxide blonde hair look. And you, had, you were doing, a, you had gloves on, shirtless, and it said, the fight is only over when you stop punching or when you stop fighting or whatever, yeah? Yeah, yeah, When yeah. was that? Because when, when did you do that shoot?
0: That was, that had to have been 2021, 20, I think. That Was that for the Chris Hemsworth two years body?
1: ago, yeah. Two years ago,
0: yeah, yeah. It had to have been two, two,
1: three. The, years shape, ago. the shape that you're in is just ridiculous in that shot, it's just <laughs> unbelievable,
0: yo. <laughs> but, 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 let me just say, the last three years have been hell for my body because I gave up the gym and I just wasn't as yeah. consistent. So, so now yeah. it's about me having to do it like purposely. I'd, I'm not getting, getting it done because I'm working with somebody. Now I have to purposely cut out time during the day to do it, and it's a whole different beast. So I yeah. understand people's issues when they say, you know, I don't have time to work out, or sometimes mentally you're just not there. It used to be my job, whereas you would get up and you would work out with the, your clients, and so you're naturally, by, you know, you're naturally in greater shape. But now that I have to cut time out of my day to do it for myself, it it changes harder. it. It changes it. It's harder. Yeah,
1: I hear you. I mean, um, so I want to talk to you about Garcia and his um, managerial promotional situation. It's yes. it's been well publicised in the weeks leading up to this, and certainly on Fight Week, that there's no. Oh, love, sorry, love sorry. Be-
0: did I say? Did I not say thank you for the compliment?
1: Thank you. You did. You, you did say thank you for it. But 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 it's worth doing it again because that can interrupt the flow and stop things going as slickly and as <laughs> tightly as they could otherwise. That's you know because it it you know what does. I feel like Is that, professional... is that my M.O.? Uh, yeah, it's kind saying. of. Yeah, it's it's a part of what you do, but what the fuck, eh? I mean, see, because I can be really professional and other times I can just be very kind of free-swinging, but um, <laughs> what I'm going to say, they made, they, it was, they made no secret of the fact there's no love loss between Ryan Garcia oh. and Golden Boy, i.e. Oscar De La Hoya and Bernard Hopkins. He was saying, Bernard Hopkins said something to him um, on stage, you know, kind of, belittled him to some degree and said what he thought ryan's problems were yeah, and yeah. ryan got up there and said they don't make these calls they don't make the decision about what i should do or when i, when I should keep fighting or whatever uh he said my team makes that my coach and all the rest of it do and you remember what he said
0: do you remember what uh bernard said that set him off
1: somebody could probably tell me what bernard had said but it was I only saw the end of it, but he was saying, oh, what, don't you think I know someone about boxing having been you know, around it this long? He was trying right. to give him advice, and obviously Garcia found it patronising. But Oscar said that Ryan wasn't even returning his calls in fight week, and Oscar said, I'm genuinely worried about his mental state. There's a very uh, telling picture of the two of them together last well, night. But after-, after
0: the fight, didn't uh, Ryan Garcia, wasn't he upset that they didn't end up at the press conference with him afterwards? You're after talking the- about the Javante Davis fight.
1: Was- you're talking about the John Davis fight. Yeah, he was. Yeah, exactly. So the seeds of it happened then. He thinks that they wanted Davis to beat him, um, or he accused them of that. And, and he accused Why? them. They,
0: they, they have a stake in him. Why would they want him beat?
1: Well, sure. But he accused them of, of, of serving him up to Duarte and hoping that Duarte upset the apple cart as well. You know, the, it's sometimes there's things going on, aren't there? You know, where people... you know what? in
0: this world, that, that sensationalism or whatever they call it, when. You know, everyone's like, somebody's always on the down low doing something to somebody behind the back. It's crazy. It's like, just accept it for, a, you know, if you know <coughs> what it is, then deal with it.
1: Apparently, according to Joe, Hopkins said he'd decide when Garcia retires, which obviously he won't do, you know. Um, Julian was- says, <coughs> Julian says, I loved Oscar as a fighter, but outside of his, career, his own career, he's cringe. I mean, where do you stand on De La Hoya Silk? I mean, do, 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 as a fighter and as a man, you, you a fan?
0: Um, I, I was, uh, I accepted him. Like I saw him as a real talent when he came up, like he was, uh, you know, when they create an image for you or you have an image and they take it and they put it out there, they, they blare a lot of stuff, you know, like the most, the most obvious and, um, Things um, of interest, things that'll sort of like you know, like the fish hooks that'll pull you into him. So, so you know, they'll you know, he's a good looking young man, he's he's polite, he speaks very he's non boxerish, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, with oh, that. And, um, th- they didn't really talk about his grit and his fire and his fight, which he had all that ability, you know what I mean? He had a lot of, yeah, ability. like Sugar Ray, let it. Well, I wouldn't say Sugar Ray, but.
1: What, you don't think he was very corporate and very sellable to mainstream America? Sugar Ray and it threw absolutely was. Sugar Ray absolutely scent. It threw people off the scent of the savagery inside of him.
0: Uh, I, I just, like, in terms of ability, they weren't the same. That's
1: Who said that? Who said that? Nobody I thought said you that. said that.
0: You said, like, Sugar Ray.
1: I, yeah, saying that he's got one kind of very poster boy image, but behind that, he's a ruthless motherfucker. Nothing yeah, to do with ability. But I don't think he's... I don't, think he's,
0: I, I don't think he's as ruthless as Sugar Ray like Sugar Ray is like elite level savagery when he gets to that when he gets to when you when that bell rings this is something else altogether i think i think delahoya questions himself delahoya questions himself until he until something happens that that supports how he feels Sugary Leonard feels this way from the bell, first bell. It's it's almost psychotic. Like
1: yeah, okay. To the, I was just drawing a comparison to the pretty face being misleading thing, but I think we've got too deep into it. You like, you know, what I I think, don't but you see where
0: you see the point I'm making. Then the difference between the two, though,
1: right? Okay, so keep going anyway. Because <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I, I interrupted you in the in the middle of that to make that quick point.
0: Yeah, well, um, I don't know. Do I remember what I was saying? But oh, no, you um, don't. Um, yeah. but what yeah, you I, but I I do? Know, and you do that on purpose too, knowing that I forget. So you interrupt. I interrupt. Yeah. With the um. Listen. That, have you ever have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard that that
1: joke about the interrupting cow? No. Ooh. Yeah, mm. okay. yeah. Mm. <clears throat> Listen, let's just be thankful, <laughs> just be lucky that Gary's not here this week. You know, that's that's the whole new level of interrupting um, between yeah, the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I was going to say, no, what you were saying was that you, well, you were talking about Oscar and, and how you felt about him. You were saying that you understood yeah. the marketing behind him, even though in actual fact he was he was a really da- he was a damn good fighter and he was and he was and he was a, and he was a finisher and a guy was capable of. of of being spiteful in the ring as well, and I don't know where you were going with it after that because I interrupted you.
0: Yeah, so I asked so, you where you saw
1: sort of him. But what do you think of him these days? Because obviously, to some extent, I these days. Like-
0: yeah, I don't really know him these days. But so I don't know what he does promotionally. I don't know. You know, I understand it's very successful with Bernard Hopkins. They do. They became the you know dynamic duo kind of thing, and and they put promotions together. I don't even know if they have any other fighters besides Ryan Garcia. I'm sure they must. They do more than just... Outfit. They do,
1: but it's almost like he's their flagship fighter right now. You know, um, yeah, Oscar has the- been lampooned in recent years because of the cross-dressing thing. You know, the cocaine mm-hmm. abuse, the self-confessed alcohol, yeah, alcohol yeah. and drug abuse, yeah. and the fact that, you know, the fishnet tights and the cross-dressing and the hookers. So some- yeah. that's hurt his credibility in a way that, you know, Yeah. Um, I suppose it's not going away, is it?
0: No, it's not going anywhere. That's just the way it is. And I think anybody who... Looked him up, uh, that wants to get introduced to him later. I mean, he's not going to be getting any more fans because of it. His fans, the people that are fans of his, are pre existing from his abilities before. And you know, a lot of people are able to turn a blind eye to that kind of stuff, and that's absolutely cool. Like when you said how I felt about him, I didn't that didn't come to my mind cross dressing and all the rest of that stuff and drugs. No. What came to my mind was the ability I seen in his you know, that he exhibited in his fights, and um. You know, there were times when I thought, when I thought he was avoiding people. But when I look back in retrospect, <laughs> I don't think he really was avoiding anybody. He fought, he fought most, if not all, the welterweight. He fought seat. his whole
1: era, yeah. He, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's one thing that you got to hand it to Oscar. Even he makes the '90s seem like some halcyon days, really, when you look at his resume. And then, mm-hmm. and I do think he's a. To me, Oscar is just about an all-time great. It's, he's one of those all-time greats. He's not showing like Willie Pepper and uh, Archie Moore or Roberto Duran Muhammad Ali, but he but he is an all time great who got over that line. I think you know, um, uh-huh. I would say.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's kind of like it's, it's a difficult one. Well, who who do you think? I mean, look, he took Floyd to the wall, right? And um, and some people would say Oscar actually beat Floyd.
1: Yeah, I don't think he did, but I thought he did on the night when, when I first watched it. I thought so. Then I scored it quite a few years later, having never yeah. scored it, and I thought Floyd yeah. won the fight. Yeah, but yeah. um, and but he certainly
0: know, could have beat Tito if not for that last two rounds or three rounds. Do was... You know what,
1: Silk? I think he did beat Tito. It was he, he didn't put a seal on it, and it was a very strange coda to the fight. But he still won, as far as I'm concerned, Silk.
0: I wonder who told, like, what, what, what possessed him? In, what, what, went off in his head that said he okay, wasn't now. in trouble?
1: He wasn't in trouble or anything. I know. He was losing it.
0: So what there was, was no he... reason. Some I, I don't know if it was his was it him or his trainer, someone in his corner that said, Hey.
1: They, they, I think it was the corner, uh, Silk. I can't remember if Gil Clancy was with him at the time, but whoever was at the corner, I know because who was he? He trained with um what's his name? Robert Robert Garcia, he trained with, he trained with Gil Clancy at one point. He trained with a man, Manny Stewart at one point. I know Manny Stewart wouldn't have told him that. You know yeah. for a fact Manny Stewart didn't tell him yeah. to go on his bike yeah. and do yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, for that's, not boy, man. that's not Manny. That's not Manny Manny was the one who said to him, "Why go ten rounds? This guy, you can take him out in two. Get on his ass." You oh, know, well, but, um... except
0: except except he did say that to Hearns in the last two rounds of my fight. Yeah, well, believe it or not, eleventh well, and oh, twelve, he was on his
1: bike. Yeah, well, that's you're obviously a different beast. And, and I rode
0: the bike for the first seven rounds too, so. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was time you let gave him a loan of the bike. Hogging <laughs> you know, it to yourself, right?
0: My bike got flat tires, I had to fight.
1: Yeah. But um no, but like you say, I believe it was the corner who told him he was way ahead. And he just but even then, even if you're gonna dance and not get involved and keep it long, throw some punches.
0: Yeah, keep, that's it.
1: Just, so the judges are seeing you throwing punches and landing punches. That it was truly mystifying that, wasn't it?
0: that that was it that had no like as a fighter and every single fighter is puzzled they're like what why is that there must have been like right away oh. the register is fear and fear doesn't when you're when you're noticeably scared of something happening that is not the code of a fighter and that kind of has its undoing like Fighters look at you differently. They don't respect you the same way. Of course, you know what I mean, and uh, <laughs> and it hurts his legacy because, like, he got up on his bike and he tried to. You know there was there was a time when like Sugar Ray, for instance, he'd shoe shine for the last thirty seconds of a round. He'd move, move, move and thirty seconds of the round that was sealed around for him. Sugar Ray was the first one to kind of that I remember. You're only
1: talking about the Hagler fight, aren't you? And you're talking he, about yeah, it. yeah, yeah. The he to do
0: that. He did that that one time. And and but
1: and even the only then, that's fighter narrative. to do that you know after
0: the only fighter to do that after him was De La Hoya, and De La Hoya yeah. did it much more glaringly. Like he would do it consistently with fighters um, yeah. that I remember. And um, that that kind of fighting doesn't sit. That's not fighting in people's estimation in their
1: eyes. That's not fighting. Do you know, so can I tell you what I saw? To tell you what I saw on Friday night at the York Hall in Bethnal Green, which is a legendary you know, East London boxing venue. I went to cover the show. It was a Frank Warren, Queensbury show. And the main event was a European, a vacant European title fight, okay? Between the British lightweight champion, Gavin Gwynne from Wales, and a guy called Emiliano Emiliano Marsilli from Italy. Now, oh, yeah, I know him. The Italian was is 47 years mm-hmm. old. Nearer to 48 than he is to 47. Wow. But he was undefeated in forty-three pro fights with forty-two wins and one draw, okay? Yeah. And obviously people were thinking I'd never seen a box to be honest with you, but um people were thinking this was a joke and and not to mention that Gavin Gwynn is a massive lightweight. He's like a modern lightweight, he looks like a light middleweight, right? Uh-huh. <clears throat> and, and the other guy just looks like a like an old older guy who, who really is a who really is um, a lightweight. Uh-huh. This guy, Marcelli, was like it was like watching Willie Pep. He boxed oh. rings around Gwyn for seven rounds and pulled out with a with a with an injured shoulder. Um, and uh, pulled, out right? pulled out with an injured shoulder. Gwyn could not touch him and was chasing shadows all night. The angle: this guy went this way, went that way. He was trying southpaw left and, and then coming off at an angle. He was he was chopping him with a hook and then running away to the side. He could not get, and then when he was on the ropes, he was stuck in and diving and ca- wouldn't stop coming back with punches. I've never seen such engine and such legs on a forty-seven-year-old man. It was it was absolutely unbelievable, to be honest with you, up close. And, and he uh, quit, huh?
0: And he quit,
1: quit with an injured shoulder after after seven, oh, eight rounds, I believe it was.
0: And how many rounds was it? Ten round fight.
1: Twelve round is a European title fight. It was
0: twelve round, and and yeah. why? And he quit because of his shoulder. Like, did you see him injure it? Did it look? No, bad?
1: it came as a total shock, and did not know what was going on. Thought it was a big, and he would have become the oldest man ever to win a European title. Had it had it come off?
0: I don't understand. So, which which hand was it? Was it his lead hand or? <coughs> hand? Do
1: you know what his lead hand? He's a southpaw. And it's his right shoulder. Yeah.
0: So it was his right shoulder. So it was his lead hand. Yeah. But that's like, how we. I don't understand how you quit. Like at any point in boxing, like if you have your consciousness about you, I don't understand how you quit. Yeah. Like you, you fight until they take you out on your shield. That's it. There's no other way. You can't quit. Like Klitschko did that with, um, uh, what's my man? The, the, um, Chris Bird. Chris Bird. Yeah. Like that's like, that's insane! How do you do that? It does. <coughs> did you ever sense. see
1: Danny Williams? Did you ever see Danny Williams, the guy oh, who knocked that much That was closer.
0: amazing when his right arm he knocked the kid out with the left hook, right?
1: Left uppercut, yeah, kind of a left uppercut, yeah, left
0: uppercut kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, I, I that did was that. And his his it was all it was dislocated. You could see it was out the socket and it was just hanging there. And um that is the was not, But but you know it was very easy for him to quit if he wanted to and
1: nobody would have had a problem with it, you know, but, yeah. you know, but, um, what happened to Chris Bird? Are we still going to get him on the show, but we're going to chase that one up and still get him. We'll get
0: him. Oh yeah. We'll definitely chase
1: Chris up. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I think we should do because it's, is, is he, is he the only no-show? Was it, oh, no show? It was him and Louis Del Valle, right? Lou Delval with the two. Yeah. No-show. Lou
0: Del Um, yeah. <coughs> honey boy, honey boy. We'll get him too one day. We'll get them all back. It's okay.
1: We'll get them all. Well, we were saying, you know, um, so, so you say we've got to actually go to Los Angeles to to to, to get Sugar Leonard? Is that what we're going to do?
0: Yeah, I think we're going to have to. Okay. Julie uh, G- well, McGowan asked a question here, but I can't see it. Can you see it? It says because, because Michael, Michael we've, we've made
1: we've made quitting acceptable now. I know if MMA, I know if MMA has brought that in. It was I not, I don't know if MMA has brought that in. Difference, of course. He said basically we've made quitting acceptable in today's boxing era.
0: Yeah, uh, that, you know, is it, maybe it's one of those, like everybody's so, like into themselves, like, like they, um, it's survival, they're thinking survival. And like when you, when you take on a sport and the noble art like boxing is, or even MMA and, and other fight sports, your character is what you are protecting even more than your chin. More than your chin, you protect your character. Because once your character's gone, everything's gone. You see, guys, they'll lose their chin and everything like this, but they have they show great heart and they're respected when they're finished.
1: In some so ways, think, it almost it, seems like it's a bit like being in prison. Like they say, as soon as you give up your self respect or, or your certain certain yeah, amount, yeah, of you, like, yeah, exactly. Brunch, well, it's, it's, yeah,
0: so, in there as soon as as soon as that character, as soon as they sense a weak character, a weak, yeah. you know what I mean, like that that. Uh, I don't know I'm searching for the word because I search for words. That's what I do professionally now. Yeah. Um, but when you when you don't, you know, dig down and show that heart and show the grit, show desire, show the will to win. It's not important to you. So they think you're just you no, know, you're just in there for what well, you you know. That's what you do when you just want to make money. Well, that's what we, yeah. we you know. While the going is good, yeah, hey, look at me. But as soon as you hit the rocks. You know, you don't know how to handle the hard times, but that's what a fight is all about. Every, anybody who has a string of like just easy fights, you know that they've avoided people, they've avoided yeah. some, they've avoided a certain t- element, a certain type of fighter, and you can't wait to see them fight somebody who's at par with them in terms of ability. And I think that's why a lot of people have a problem with with Mayweather because he never he may have been more talented than all the other guys he fought. But he never fought them. He never fought anybody that had the amount of talent he did. Like Duran and Duran, Leonard, Hearns, Benitez, you know, all those guys, they're pretty, they're pretty close in terms in the talent pool, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you look at Mayweather, Okay, so he's gifted. He's fast. He's got the great defense. He's, you know, he's in incredible shape. He has all those things. How many of those other guys, he had like an incredible amateur background. How many of those guys did he fight that had that as well? De La Hoya. You know what I mean? And (coughs) a lot of people thought De La Hoya was past the, you know, a little bit past his thing by that time
1: yeah I mean that that was the uh, that's always a knock against Floyd is that he always had to be the upside
0: yeah and no doubt uh, he's talented right there's no doubt Floyd is talented and because well, the thing if is, he wasn't if he wasn't he wouldn't have beat the guys he beat definitely it, talented but we just don't know how talented because he never fought anybody yeah. great at well, the time when they were great.
1: Well you know it's if somebody said to me that Floyd Mayweather is the best fighter they've ever seen in terms of the skill set <laughs> they've never seen anybody better than that. I I can live with that appraisal, but 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 greatness is a different thing. I'm not saying he's not great either, but you know what I mean. There are fighters greater than him because of what you just said. It's um, and it is a different thing. You know when Leonard, you know Sugar Leonard, when he came back to fight Marvin Hagler, he just had to know that was his destiny. He really he didn't need money or anything. He he might have needed the limelight, you know, psychologically, but he he had to know if he could beat him or not, and and he didn't care what he had to endure to find it out. Whereas Floyd never had those impulses. It it wasn't about that for Floyd. That wasn't his gig. That wasn't his his trip. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: He'd never take a challenge like that. Never in a million years. Not ever. Not ever.
0: No, not ever. And you know what? His whole camp was about that. And he listened to his camp. He listened to those guys. So uh, because he listened to his managers and promoters, yeah, he was successful. He made money, all the rest of that kind of stuff. But it's also going to hurt his legacy. (laughs) that's part of that's the acceptance of that's the acceptance of going the way he went. You know, there's, there's, you know what I mean? There are, there are fighters that didn't accomplish nearly what he accomplished, but they're more beloved than he is to them because of the, the people can relate to the heart, the effort, <coughs> the struggle, the, you know what I mean? The pain, all the rest of that kind of stuff. And that's someone why...
1: like Montel Griffin, someone like Montel Griffin would say, uh, legacy don't pay the bills. That's all he'd say. And, and he, he talks about Floyd, you know, the way he never lost and was in three of the three of the four biggest gatebusters of all time. He said, "That's goat shit. That's goat shit right there." And that, yeah. some people look at these statistics yeah. and numbers and the money, and that's yeah. all. That's yeah, that's yeah the money. Goal. Money is
0: not go, money's not gold, no. But money, he's the greatest money-making boxer of all time. Absolutely, I admire that ability. I admire that intelligence. You know what I mean? The the ability to do that is off the charts. You know what I mean? So he manipulated. The, you know what I mean? He he was in control of things and made things happen, and that's what everybody wants in this world. And do you know want, what? The problem that.
1: we got now is the problem we got with boxing. I figured that. I thought about this the other day. Uh, not that it was a, a, a particularly a new thing that occurred to me, but we have got too much fighter autonomy now. I decided because that is where we've got with we fighter autonomy and fight. But you couldn't be in other sports and pick pick your opponents as much. You couldn't. You just couldn't do it. You have right. to. And in the Amazon in amateur boxing, you couldn't. You can't do it. I think ben, we, we, ben. fighters being able to pick and choose who they fight with their teams. If we yeah. want it to get better, we've got to have them. We've got to have more shackles on them. We've got to actually ben, have, have to more, fighters.
0: Golden. Look, when I started fighting, boxers were not allowed to promote their own events. That's just insane. Yeah, <laughs> like, you could be a boxer. boxer where could you be matter. a boxer and a promoter? That's, that's like that yes. just makes absolutely no sense on any level. You know what I mean? Because everything's you're doing everything. You're one. You're employing the ringside officials. You're you know you're you're in bed with the athletic commission. You're you know you're providing <laughs> you know you're paying for people's flights in and out you know what I mean and and you're yeah. also you're also paying the WBC WBA IBF whoever it is all those people that are making the fight happen that's what happens when when a fighter is a promoter like Canelo like <coughs> all those other guys Floyd all those other guys that were fighters you know what I mean it's supposed to be separate and I don't know when those uh, when those things converge I don't know when it went from diverge to converge. Do you? Yeah.
1: No, well, f- not entirely. You know, the first fighter I remember trying to take control of his own career in this country and making a big deal of, of being promoted by his own promotional company was actually Audley Harrison, who yeah. won an Olympic gold medal in 2000 yeah. in Sydney and, and obviously had a lot of hype around him for that reason, you know, a lot of expectations placed upon him. Yeah. He signed a million that. pound contract with BBC Television.
0: A million uh, people- pound?
1: Yeah, a million. This is in the year two thousand. Okay, wow. he signed a million pound contract with BBC Television for ten fights. So they're basically giving him hundred grand a fight. But the trouble was, you know what happened, Silk? Right. he fought guys left a little bit to be desired. His performances, and that's okay if you're flattening them like Mike Tyson and you're squashing them like like cans of, pe- diet, empty yeah. cans of diet Pepsi. But yeah. he wasn't, he was laboring with some of these dubious opponents. Yeah. And it was on primetime television. Instead of yeah. bringing him up on the undercard, like Mike Tyson did it organically on small hall shows up in upstate New York. And, and there was a big organic ripple that happened, right? But yeah, but, Mike didn't win a a gold medal.
0: but Mike didn't win a gold medal either. So there was no hunger for him. To, there were no eyes true, to true. see him. You true, know, that's true. true. Exactly. They want a gold medal, and people want to see what's going to happen with the kid. That makes exactly. sense. Exactly. Uh,
1: they did it, they did it the, the quiet way initially. But, um, so, Audley was on mainstream television on the biggest, you know, terrestrial channel we have in, in in this country. Um, and it wasn't looking that great against opponents and left a lot to be desired. So, suddenly BBC decided they didn't want to cover boxing anymore, and they pretty much never have since. So, some people blame Audley Harrison for, for BBC yeah. pulling out of boxing, yeah. you know. But, but so he how, to how,
0: how did Audley do as a pro because I, I remember hearing about him in the amateurs, and
1: then I just never heard about him as a pro until <clears throat> well, basically, he. He won he disappointed and he got beat several times. But he did win he did win the European title, the legitimate EBU title mm-hmm. with a real hell Mary. I don't agree with the lucky I don't believe in the lucky punch syndrome, but this is the closest thing to a lucky punch you'll ever see in your life yeah. when he yeah. he was losing all night long and then he, he knocked Michael Sprott out with a sad four left reflexive counter when he had his eyes shut. Yeah. And he knocked out and that's how he won the European title. But yeah. Eddie Hearn was the one who who met him in Vegas back in um God knows, God, it must have been about 2010 or 11. And he said, let's do this, yeah. Because we'll, matchroom weren't promoting boxing. And Eddie said, I want to get the boxing matchroom boxing going again, you know, with my dad's company. He said, well, let's do this. He said, you'll win the prize fighter, which was a tournament they used to do. He said, you'll win a European title. Then you'll fight David Hay for the for the WBA heavyweight title in a massive pay-per-view. Because, you know, <coughs> David Hay beat Nikolai Valuev, okay? Yeah, so and, they, and well, as a
0: quick a quick aside, there, David Hay is living the life right now. Oh my god, he's got a good. What, what Two
1: girls. What with two three girlfriends? Some. It's like
0: a, it's like an eight some. <laughs> well, I
1: thought I thought he had two two girlfriends is what it was. Well, I he has that
0: two and eight others, but it's <clears> incredible. I'm like, oh my god, he's living the life, and and he's like in somewhere tropical. I don't know if it's the Dominican Republic one week and like. A <coughs> yeah, Hayes
1: done all right, and he's always been able to pull a bird. I heard, he, I heard it. Was Spencer Fear on top of when he was in Las Vegas with David Hay. it was very kind of what reminded me of the kind of Eddie Murphy mafia stories I heard, where they just literally go down, see a bunch of babes, and be like, "Okay, you, you, and not you, uh, and you." And that's how <laughs> you do it, and let's go. And that was the way he used to roll. Oh, yeah. course, still does clearly. You know.
0: Yeah, more power to him. Good job. And go ahead. You're saying, I'm sorry for that A quick aside.
1: So so Eddie actually made Audley Harrison the kind of linchpin of his early assault with relaunching matchroom boxing. And he said to me, the first interview I ever did with Eddie Hearn, he said it ended badly, I suppose, or embarrassingly, the way he capitulated against David Hay in three rounds and really very unheroic again. He said, but at the end of the day, it served its purpose. And Eddie was on his way and he was up and running with big pay-per-view, you know, with a big pay-per-view kind of... um uh, model, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was Audley. You know, he got knocked out and around by Deontay Wilder one time. He, Audley kept coming back he, uh, and saying it's going to be different this time. And he, he wore things like slogans and hats that said, I can on them. Yeah. And sometimes you wondered who he was trying to convince, to be honest with yeah, you. But yeah, yeah. but yeah. you have to give him his props. He won an Olympic gold medal. And he did put a lot of money into the amateur program in this country. His success. Mm-hmm. We, we we did much better in the amateurs in the next several uh Olympiad to so the next generation and yeah. some of that can be put down to all the but as a professional but most watcher, of it
0: would be the lennox lewis though right wouldn't it or, uh, no lewis. because
1: he won it for canada nothing to do with lennox lewis at all you sure uh, come on still can you talk it to <laughs> am not <I> sure <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> lennox lewis won an olympic gold medal for canada some people you know, i know insane. that
0: i know that but he still fought wasn't he out of britain the first little while or something
1: he was, but you're talking about Olympic success and people investing in things because they see the amateur success. It's based on winning in the amateurs when the people are plough money into the amateur program. No, but
0: but when he fought, where was he born? He born in Jamaica?
1: No, he was born in West Ham.
0: Oh, so he's born in England.
1: Yeah, and then he moved to, you know, I say he moved to, Canada. to Canada,
0: and then he yeah. came back to England.
1: Listen, I believe he's British, absolutely, yeah, and he fought out of Britain as a pro, but when. Audley got loads of money planned into the amateur programme because he won a gold medal. If you hit those targets, certain entities will put money into the amateur program. They don't sure. give a fuck what they're doing a pros. Yeah, yeah. It's not about that. So no, yeah. it's not down to Lennox Lewis. It was down to oh. Audley. <laughs> but but there are people to this day who will tell you that um that, that that Lennox Lewis is not British. That some people still won't accept him over here, the diehards. Well, they he's, still say he's a Canadian. His accent is British. No, it isn't. He sounds Middle Atlantic. He doesn't sound British at all.
0: What does he sound then?
1: He sounds like American more than anything else, but he's got this real middle. He does not
0: sound American. Not even remotely American. British
1: people on this program, please, please help me out. He He sounds sounds... nothing
0: American. He sounds nothing American. That man, no, no.
1: Listen. Um (laughs) this is what happens when someone has got like an Americanized accent. To you guys they sound English because you're because you're not having them as Americanized. But to us they don't sound British at all. He sounds like Elizabeth Taylor, says Saj. <laughs> Lewis left UK at twelve years old, didn't he? He he had more of a Canadian accent than a British one, honestly. Oh, he oh does not sound he does not sound at all English, honestly. Trust me.
0: Well, I think I would know as I think you would know, but hey. Okay.
1: Can anybody make a more useful contribution than he sounds like Elizabeth Taylor? <laughs> I should have realized that was Sarge. <laughs> Yeah,
0: else there. That's funny.
1: Oh man! Unless your private career, he's British and he's bad. Look, Sarge, I'm not interested in it right now. In your opinion, on how Lennox Lewis sounds? You, you've had your chance and you blew it. Can someone else back me up that Lennox does not sound at all British? He doesn't sound like he's. Well, Sarge or...
0: just said that he did, right?
1: No, he didn't. He said he has one of those transatlantic transatlantic accents like Elizabeth Taylor or Elton John, but he's talking bollocks. Elton John sounds British. Elton John sounds British. <laughs> Lewis sounds like Silk. Thank you, Joe. Lewis sounds more like Silk, exactly. let stop it. No, he doesn't. He, he certainly doesn't sound English, I'll tell you that, mate. He does not sound English. Not When not I at all. hear him
0: talk, he sounds English. Definitely. So you not, think he
1: sounds the same as me, yeah?
0: No, I mean, you're a little bit like, you know, I mean, look, you're... um. Even like your your, the way you talk reflects your lifestyle too and your experiences, right? So so you speak a certain way. Um, Lennox has a much more of a um, like he hasn't he hasn't had a hard life kind of way. Like the way he talks, it's a little bit more posh in a way. Like he picks he chooses words, even
1: though they're not elaborate. You know these. Trust
0: me, honestly, he, so he's so got so a total mid-Atlantic
1: draw. And it, he listen, he grew up in Canada for all those years, so he obviously wasn't going to sound English. He was a grown-ass man when he left Canada, so he already had a he already had an across-the-pond accent, no question.
0: Okay, well, hey, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna dig some footage up and they're gonna they're gonna talk to him about, like the HBO footage, and you hear him talking, he sounds absolutely English. Anyone that says. Right away, hear this voice that put her on play, they say, oh, he's from England.
1: Um, I don't think you would, like to say, because that was one of the big problems. That's one of the big problems with him over here. If he'd have sounded like Frank Bruno, people would have embraced him more, honestly. Because my dad said to me, when I was I used to say when I was younger, I didn't think he was British. And my dad said, just because of his accent, that doesn't mean anything, you know. He said a person's accent is irrelevant to where they're from, you know. So, um, And he said that because Lennox did not have a British accent. Absolutely not. Did not have an English accent, but um, yeah. okay. Well, I mean, th- this, uh,
0: yeah. There's no need for us to. This shouldn't be the thrust of our uh
1: argument. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> we've we, we've argued about so many things. This is probably one of the most. Yeah, are, topics. You're,
0: you're quite a. You know, you're a bellicose individual. You're quite argumentative. I never, I never thought you were that before.
1: So, so are you though? You, you are as well. And I think. You, no, no, you,
0: no, no, no. I'm, a, I'm different. I'm a little more contradictorial, kind of. Contrary. you're argumentative, that's different.
1: <laughs> well, it would be, wouldn't it? <laughs> 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 I mean, you, you are that guy, you'll be like, Play it again. Last week, you're gonna play that video again, and I'm like, Well, I can't even see it, so God knows what we're proving at this point. You're the only <laughs> one who can see it, but you're like, Play it again. So, I think you are a very determined individual as well, but very focused no, on what no, you think no, not you're not
0: determined. Right. It's just that I, you know, I believe that. You're not seeing what you should be seeing properly,
1: or hearing, on occasion, as the case yeah. may be.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> as the case may be. <laughs> you know that that's a pretty cool denouement? I think actually, we're getting we're closing in on uh, fifty nine minutes. Which <clears throat> my voice is a little bit challenged this way. Been coughing all yeah. weekend. I don't know what it yeah. is, but well, listen. If, gonna... <laughs> if you're
0: is sore, what you need to do is take yourself to Korea Town, and you need to buy yourself some of this grapefruit grapefruit tea juice. And if you get yourself some grapefruit tea, do you see this right here? Yeah, you have a, you have a Korea town in England.
1: You know, we should have something like that. We have a Chinatown in London, but I don't know about a Korea town. Well,
0: why would how, how are Korea and China related? They're not.
1: Well, I, I say them a bit similar. <laughs> yeah,
0: <don't> but, <laughs> that's, that's like me saying, you know, you have a Nigerian store, and you said no, we have a Mauritian one.
1: I'm like, They're the, the same. I hear what you're saying, but um, see. Yeah, I know that you're a big fan of that Korean tea, though, because people keep asking what you're drinking on the show. <clears throat> and and um, I remember you were saying it, it, it's really good, this stuff.
0: Yeah, they have different flavors. This different flavors. This one's grapefruit. See that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it Listen, really so we need to start doing endorsements. You know, we, we've almost got we've organically gone into it. We, we've shown we can advertise products in a very unobtrusive, genuine way. That's got to be <laughs> something to look at, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: that's true that's something that you know what that's an area we're going to have to i guess you know when the uh, population expands uh we're going to have that as an option we'll be able to work it in nicely there is it's a so soul
1: of... <laughs> nice, <and such. laughs>
0: nice well you should really try this i don't know if they imported it over there but
1: i'm sure they do. I'm gonna google it when i get offline listen yeah, guys yeah. Look, thanks.
0: look at the thanks. look at the tag it's again always. do you remember that
1: I get one, yeah. Yeah, I got it, I got it. okay, I got it. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna try and close now. We're, hopefully, no one's gonna thrust any kind of tea jar at the screen. Um, uh, do you think Gary's
0: again. gonna be back next week?
1: I hope Gary's back next week. Yeah, I think we listen next week, Friday, the 8th of December, we have the legendary journalist Nigel Collins. Former editor of Ring Magazine and legendary fully scribe and author on the show. Yeah, yeah. So if Jerry's not on, on, did you see? Board did you see what we... I
0: did there? Do you see what I did there? How I led you back to what I thought you were going to forget?
1: Nigel Collins, that's great. You, you'll actually claim the credit for that too, won't you? You'll actually claim the credit for that.
0: I mean, I actually, I absolutely did that. My mind works in mysterious ways. I'm it very. Doesn't does
1: just, doesn't it just? Um, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for putting up with us. Listen, one thing, please subscribe to the channel if you're not already. You might if you're watching live, you probably are. What I don't get is I got five, six thousand followers, whatever, on Facebook. Silk's got the same, Gary's got similar, and we've only got twelve hundred and fifty subscribers on the channel. Silk has got thirty thirty, forty thousand followers on IG. We've still only got twelve, fifty subscribers on the channel. Give us more subscribers, let us grow to bring you more of this inimitable content. In the meantime, we're lucky. Keep punching. Don't do Collins we
0: next to. week, Nigel.
1: Come on. Be there.